Welcome to Prophecy Breakdown. The question of the day is simple. Is time up? We know for sure that the end of days has never been closer. That's common sense. But how close is it? Let's talk about that. There are two groups of people I want to address up front. First, those who have been shouting the end is nigh for 2,000 years. Second, those who roll their eyes and mock us current prophecy watchers because of our over-eager ancestors. To put it bluntly, they're both wrong, and we'll prove that with the Bible. I know what I'm about to say goes against the doctrine of eminence, a belief that Christ's return could happen at any moment. It's tied to pre-trib belief, so the idea is that Christ could have raptured the church at any moment once he had ascended into heaven a couple thousand years ago. In my opinion, the Bible makes no supportable case for the idea that the tribulation could have begun at any moment during the past 2,000 years. First, the signs were not met, at least not all of them. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Matthew 24, verses 6 and 7. Let's look at these famous signs, and let's make a common assumption as we do. Let's assume that as Jesus described these signs, he wasn't talking about run-of-the-mill occurrences of these things, but rather extraordinary occurrences. Jesus was surely the smartest man to ever live, given that he was the only God-man to ever live. When he gave us signs, you can bet he wasn't laying out a set of conditions that could refer to any 10-year period ever. Instead, we know that he was describing occurrences that the vigilant could recognize, occurrences that would set a particular time frame apart from all which had come before. So let's take a look at the signs, starting with wars and rumors of wars. We know wars and rumors of them have been common throughout history. So what could Jesus have been referring to if he wanted us to recognize not just wars, but extraordinary wars? How about wars involving the whole world? Such a thing had never been seen until the 20th century. Then we had not just one, but two of them in less than 40 years. That's extraordinary, but what about the rumors of war element? We also fulfilled that one with the Cold War. Even more on point, the rumors and fears of yet a third world war have not only been present over the past few years, but thick in the air and realistic. How about famines? Pestilence? The Spanish flu pandemic occurred in the final years of World War I, 1918 and 1919, and it's considered one of the deadliest in history. It infected an estimated one-third of the world's population and resulted in the deaths of approximately 50 million people worldwide. The virus affected even otherwise healthy young adults, making it particularly deadly. Since then, we've had AIDS, and the most recent one that none of us can forget, which I call C-19. Earthquakes, anyone? 
The pattern is clear. The fulfillment of these major signs as given by Jesus, the birth pangs, got rolling with World War I, then World War II, and then the rebirth of Israel was the confirmation event. As we've talked about in other episodes, there had to be a nation of Israel for the end times clock to start ticking with finality, since the vast bulk of Revelation focuses on Israel. Between 70 A.D. and 1948, there was no nation of Israel, so it would have been impossible for the prophecies of Revelation to be fulfilled. And the global population would not have been ready to so quickly worship a man-beast who will clearly reveal his evil nature. So while our vigilant brethren might have thought the tribulation could start at any moment, that's only because their eagerness to see Jesus caused them to overlook key provisions that had to be in place. With regard to our current fellow believers and unbelievers who say we're wasting our time, they're not seeing the signs and conditions click into place because, well, because they're not looking. This is expected for unbelievers, but a lot of our brothers and sisters also show a marked lack of interest in eschatology including pastors. In fact, I've heard one of my own local pastors chastise interest in prophecy more than once. You know what? That's okay. I mean, I'd rather not be chastised since Paul made clear that we all have different gifts, interests, and functions in the body of Christ, and I'm confident that my own burning interest in the topic was put in me by God. But is it something I'm going to argue about with them? No. I think my energy is best spent by watching, so I'll be informed when the time comes that they're desperate for information. We'll all need to stay strong in Christ and support each other. As you've probably intuited by now, I'm not pre-trip. Gosh knows that topic is worth its own episode, and I'll do that before long. But for now, it's enough to say that if I'm wrong, and Jesus does take us out before the tribulation, that would be wonderful. If not, we're going to have a lot of scared and anxious fellow believers as we head into the most brutal seven years in history. When will those final seven years begin? Well, I've been following geopolitical events with an eye toward biblical prophecy for more than 30 years. For the first 15 to 20 of those years, the movement was slow. Yeah, the signs of Matthew 24 were being fulfilled. But as I studied the Bible and envisioned the conditions that needed to be in place, to me it always felt like those conditions were in the future. Yeah, it was easy to see Western civilization in general and U.S. society in particular degenerating, the moral foundation crumbling as we strayed further and further from God, but that didn't feel like enough. One of the reasons it didn't feel like enough was Jesus' clear statement that the last days would be like the days of Noah. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Matthew 24, 37. I talked a lot about those days in the previous episode, so I invite you to check that out for more detail. But the key point is that the days of Noah were pure insanity. Sin, wickedness, and evil exploded. The world went crazy in Noah's time, and it just didn't feel like we were there yet. 
I believe one of my spiritual gifts is discernment. And in 2012, I felt the darkness descending. I've talked to a number of other believers who felt the same thing around the same time. Now, I don't have visions or claim to receive prophetic words from the Lord. But that feeling of almost tangible darkness turned out to be an accurate harbinger. Evil and sin have been accelerating ever since, and that acceleration has exploded over the past few years. Now, we're there. The world is upside down, insisting that good is evil and evil is good. If the Antichrist arrived on the scene tomorrow, much of the world would instantly fawn over him. The media would do everything possible to empower him. In addition to the masses being ready to worship the beast, the final geopolitical puzzle pieces have been clicking into place with the same acceleration. A decade ago, Turkey, one of the key end times antagonists of Israel, was trending western. Much of Istanbul was cosmopolitan with a Western vibe. I was there in 2009 and saw it for myself. Although I knew that would change because the Bible said it would, it still felt abstract, still felt future. Today, Turkey's president and other politicians openly threaten Israel. In just 10 years, it has swung hard Islamic and President Erdogan believes he will lead a new Islamic caliphate, a revival of the Ottoman Empire. Another region that has changed with mind-blowing speed is Western Europe. The number one name for baby boys in the UK is Muhammad. The media will claim this isn't true, but their claim is a deceptive trick. They separate the various spellings of the name. When those different spellings are combined, it's number one. The UK isn't alone. Virtually every nation in Western Europe has allowed itself to be overrun by migrants who are overwhelmingly Islamic, most of them fighting age males. It would no longer be a stretch for the Antichrist to be both European and Islamic. By the way, I think the Antichrist will almost certainly be Islamic, but that's for another episode. Most importantly, the Middle East has never been so perfectly positioned for the arrival of the Antichrist. Israel is at war with Hamas and staving off attacks from Lebanon in the north. Iran is waging war on Israel via its proxies. The U.S. is attacking those proxies in retaliation for the death of American soldiers in Jordan. Right in the middle of this turmoil, with the U.S. administration claiming to unequivocally support Israel, a story has broken saying that the U.S. is pushing Israel to accept a two-state solution. Even more prophetically on point, the word is that this would be an expansion of the Abraham Accords that would include normalization of ties between Israel and Saudi Arabia. From a prophetic perspective, this is a bombshell. So, we have the makings of a massive peace deal being orchestrated between Israel and her Arab enemies. Sound familiar? Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. From Daniel 9.27 
The conditions are now so perfectly aligned for the emergence of the Antichrist that it's like a 1,000-piece puzzle has 999 pieces in place, and God is holding the final one in his hand, getting ready to drop it into place. Will that be in a year? Five years? Tomorrow? I don't know. What I do know is that the signs, the global population, and the geopolitical puzzle pieces are all in place for the first time in history, and we're a little over a hundred years into the cycle of fulfillment. We who watch are no longer alarmist. We're watchmen on the wall. Don't let anything catch you by surprise. I'll see you soon, and until then, Maranatha. <laughs>